are live. Welcome to I this is the strategy show. I was about to say the process, but you know, what are you going to do? Welcome to this NBA strategy show. It is Friday, April 22nd. I am Josh Engelman. I am joined by Adam Share. We are brought to you by Prize Picks and we've got another three-game NBA slate ahead of us just like we have Monday through Thursday. So, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. Hit the notification bell so you know when everything goes live. Adam, how you doing? Doing pretty well. Uh, excited to do a show with you because it means there's one less idiot in chat. <laughs> well played. Well played. It was a good one yesterday. It was a good one. I was fun so happy chat. when I got to come back in after the Kyle Anderson news. <laughs> um. I, I stand by my story. They shouldn't have started them after I saw their substitution patterns, but neither here nor there. What a ridiculous game. I mean, that is... I, I basically gave up on it. Well, one, I couldn't watch it. Uh, Hulu was not allowing anyone to play the NBA game last night. So I, I saw a bunch of people uh, tweeting about it, or actually I saw not people tweeting about it. I saw people being retweeted and being mocked, but same difference. So I pulled it up and I was watching it on the monitor. Greg and I did the extra half hour after Live Before Lock. So I got to watch it. I went downstairs. Uh, I went to the grocery store quick to grab a little bit of food and come back and watch the game. I was like, all right, let's 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 dig in. Let's watch some basketball. The moment I sit down on the couch, it's just like, no, this doesn't work. So I was like, oh, okay, I'll reboot the Apple TV. Doesn't work. I search Twitter for Hulu NBA and it's just this firestorm of people losing their mind. I was like, okay. Well, NBA TV has got like the, the janky broadcast where right. it's like not the right camera angle and the camera doesn't move like it move. It's almost like the it got cropped and it's in the wrong spot. But I'm, I'm watching the game, but there's no commentary and it's not really showing the guy that I want or the hoop. And I was just like, this sucks, too. I can't watch this. And then I was just done. Yeah, um, I didn't look like the only thought that I had early in the game was I wish I was in a state where I could live bet Memphis because I'm sure they were getting fantastic odds as they were getting their asses beat out of the gate. But like, I don't know. I, I I feel like, I guess I just never, and I did the same thing with the Dallas Utah game where Dallas ended up never giving up the lead. But like, I just never really felt like that game was as wide a margin as it was like Memphis is the better team. Me, uh, Minnesota's winning because Patrick Beverly is carrying your offense. I'm not sure that's sustainable. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, it, it was a spot where like, I wish I'd been in a live sports betting state. T-Wolves went on two separate 12-0 runs in the first quarter. Yeah. And started the third quarter with a 22-6 run and somehow still did not win this game. And it wasn't even particularly close. We got a lot to talk about today. Dave, Josh had to be hating life having so much cat. Certainly was. Yeah. Both Cer- was. Well, not in the first half. I was. Would I have liked him to score a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. I would expect Towns to shoot more than four times or whatever the hell that he did yesterday. But dude did five blocks. I mean, you were set up for like a ceiling Towns game if he just participated on offense. So that's that's always great. Oh, God. I'm glad the yeah, Mavs and, are going to be the Jazz, though, sort of. <laughs> so, like, I was ready to be really annoyed by all of the hot takes on Carl Anthony Towns after that game because – like obviously everybody overreacts to every single thing that happens in a playoff game. Yeah. But then the, um, then the quote, like, dude, you just completely no showed a game where your team blew a 26 point lead. And your answer for what you need to do as a leader is to just chill out and decompress. 
Yeah. He had, he took four shots and had five rebounds. He's the starting center and one of the five most talented centers offensively in basketball. It's insane. Have you seen Torian Prince's plus minus for yesterday? No. Torian Prince played six minutes. What do you think his plus minus was? Since you're asking, I'm going to guess it's even worse than Campazzo. Um, minus 18. On the dot. <laughs> nice. Campazzo, I think, was minus 10. Yeah. Minus 18 in six minutes. He finished the final three minutes and 19 seconds of the third quarter at minus seven. And then another minus seven in the first minute and 46 seconds of the fourth quarter, which took him off at minus 18. Wasn't the worst on the team, though. Uh, Malik Beasley at minus 21 in 24 and a half minutes. So there we go. <sighs> but also, he says so he, he kind a, of is the best shooting center ever, but uh, he, he's got to shoot first. Yeah, yeah. He's it's not that he shot poorly, it's that he did not shoot. Yeah. Um it's also kind of crazy to me that in a series where Cat and Jackson are in foul trouble every game, John Morant is getting literally thrown to the ground on drives and just nothing. Yeah, it's I I don't it blows my mind. Like it blows my mind. Jared Vanderbilt hip checked him out of the air on a layup and just like, yeah, all good. That was clean. <laughs> <laughs> Tough one out of Ja yesterday, but I guess it doesn't matter. You wouldn't expect them to win games in games where Ja plays like that. Right. And, uh, and like being nobody, able to grab I, that I mean, Bane stepped up, but like yeah. Brooks didn't do shit. Ja didn't do anything. Now, Tyus was good off the bench, or at least at the very least, did whatever he needed to do. And then uh, Brandon Clark went from minus 26 at one point in time during the game in the third quarter. He was plus 25 in the fourth quarter. I could not have been happier that I had no Brandon Clark. Everything was great. He plays all 12 minutes of the fourth quarter, three of four from the field, six of six from the line with four rebounds, and it completely changes the DFS slate and the game. Yeah, I, I was happy about that. Um, didn't get Nearly enough out of Kyle Anderson, though, or Cat. I, he was minus 26 at one point in time in the game and negated. He got to minus one for the game. That is nuts. That's a, I, I don't even think I've ever seen something like that before, but whatever. Let's talk about today's slate. Three games once again. I don't know. Never mind. I was going to say, I don't know if you've taken a look at this yet and know what we're looking at. Uh, I know that that's not the case. It's hard, dude. It is a really hard slate. There's no good value. Everybody's sort of priced in bad spots. I'm really anxious to talk about it. So I'm ready if you are. Yeah. The Miami Heat, one and a half point favorites in Atlanta, 221 total. Here are the totals for today. We don't have that outlier Memphis, Minnesota game. 221, 222, 216. All three road teams are favorites as well, which is kind of interesting. We'll start on the Miami side. Lots of Q tags. I assume that's much ado about nothing. Uh, generally speaking, I just assume these guys are going to be playing, but at least for Miami, Kayla Martin's questionable, Bam Adebayo's questionable, Markeith Morris is questionable, and PJ Tucker is questionable. I'm treating it like all of these guys are just simply in. For Atlanta, no Clint Capella, which we know, and then Lou Will is also out, which is meaningless. So for Miami... Kind of. What? I mean, it's not entirely meaningless. I'll let you hit me with that one when we get to the Atlanta side. I mean, it's just like if, if Lou Will was playing, you're not touching DeLon Wright. Fair. Fair. Uh, you might not be touching DeLon Wright anyway, but we'll get there. Uh, 
On FanDuel, I think that the main four guys, Butler, Bam, Lowry, and Hero, all look relatively similar, at least from an ownership perspective. I greatly prefer Bam, and we can get into that. Bam is the only guy north of 20% ownership on the DraftKings side. You get the other guys that I mentioned are in like the mid-teens. Do you like anything from Miami right out of the gate? I like 7K Bam. Um, yeah, so he played, too. I think that, the salaries being affected just by the the playing time so far in the series. He played 28 minutes in a blowout where he lost five minutes at the end of the game. Then he played uh, 23 and a half minutes in a game where he was in foul trouble. He played the first one minute and 22 seconds of the third quarter, never came back until the eight minute, 33 second mark of the fourth. So clearly lost some minutes there. Also lost two minutes and 39 seconds at the end of the first half. In a competitive game where he's not in foul trouble, I don't know why Bam wouldn't be playing at least like 32 to 34 minutes, if not more. 7K for him is really good. Um, so he's the one that really stands out. Butler, Lowry, Hero, I think are all fine, but prices have adjusted a little bit. I think they're all pretty much where they should be. Same goes for guys like uh, PJ Tucker, Max Struess. Not a ton standing out there. Once again, you got 22 minutes from Struess last game. Um with the exception of a couple of minutes at the end of the second quarter, it was once again that rotation where he opens the game, he opens the second half, he barely plays anymore. Um, Duncan Robinson only played six minutes, but you got 32 from Hero. 26 from Gabe Vincent, kind of interesting just because he's 3,600. I don't think that that necessarily has to happen again. Like You certainly can get more Duncan Robinson. You could potentially get more Max Struess. But even if you get like 20 minutes from Vincent at 3,600, there's the potential for him to do okay at that price. Yeah, the, the Struce, Robinson, Martin, Vincent group of four, I think it's just going to be the hot hand of whoever gets to like 26. It seems to have been Vincent so far, but if Duncan Robinson's shooting well, he's going to stay out there. You know, if Max Struce is shooting well, he's going to stay out there. I don't think they're really all that married to whoever that guy is going to be. And in the grand scheme of things, the closing lineup might just be Butler, Bam, Lowry, Hero, Tucker, and it might not matter at all. Hang on, I want to clarify something. Adam wasn't all over that call on, on Vanderbilt. Yeah, I mean, I said what was correct. Um, if Vanderbilt plays a lot, he's going to be one of the best values on the slate. If they end up going to McDaniels and Prince to match up with what Memphis is doing, he's going to suck. I don't really know what what you want out of that. Um, he was in a third of my lineups. Like, Yeah, I don't really know what you want there. Is that what you had him in, a third? I, want to see, I, I think I have more than that. I want to see if I beat you. I'm going to take credit for the Vanderbilt call. Let's see. And also, for the record, I said the exact same thing before you asked about Vanderbilt. You just weren't listening or not comprehending, and then you asked, and I answered it again. Nice. I'm really happy you're ripping into Miguel because uh, I can't stand him. <laughs> All right. Who had more Vanderbilt? This is going to be fun. Oh, I got you. Nose you out. You had 27. I had 31. So oh, I only had 27. I thought I had more. Vanderbilt Whisperer right here, baby. <laughs> right here. 31%, 3x the field on the highest value play of the day. Can't ask for much more. God, if Brandon Clark just doesn't pull that nonsense, it's so much better. Ugh, I just see this big red square with no number in it. All righty. Wait, what? Anything else you want to talk about for Miami? Like To me, they're, they're a tale of two separate teams. One group is really, really easy to evaluate, and the other is just a complete wild card. Like, the Butler, Bam, Lowry, oh. Hero piece, it's just like, okay, these guys are just going to play a shit ton of minutes, and we know their rates, and we know what we're doing here. Um, 
And then the Tucker, Struess, Robinson, Vincent piece is like, well, I don't know. Right. Yeah. I mean, we, we have kind we've basically gotten the same rotation from Struess both games. And that's actually really interesting to me because he started out really well last game. I mean, he had a good game overall, like 26 and a half uh DraftKings points, but Struess came out like on fire. Um, at least I mean from a fantasy standpoint, not shooting wise, but had three assists, a steal, um, one for one from the field in his first nine minutes. So he kind of gave you the first quarter where if he's going to play his way into more minutes, he did it. And he still didn't get more minutes. So that is interesting to me. Not to say that like there's a zero percent chance he can, he's gonna play more here. You know, sure, he he could. There's minutes available, but if the way he played in that game didn't get him more run, I don't really know what he has to do to get more playing time, especially in a game where Robinson also barely played. So it's not like Struess played well, but then Robinson came out there and shot seven for seven from three and never left the, the floor. Robinson got benched mid-game and Gabe Vincent took Max Struess's minutes. So um, I do have a really difficult time expecting more than like 20 to 22 minutes from Struess. And then similarly, you know, Robinson's minutes could literally be anywhere. Um, and then Gabe Vincent, I think, kind of ranges from like, 18 to 24, depending on how Robinson plays mostly. All righty. Then we head to Atlanta. Again, no click Capella here. I'm assuming we get the same starting lineup we had before. When it gets to Atlanta, I'm, I just have trouble like parsing out very specific guys. I got a couple guys that stand out to me. I'm curious where you land, but we've got Trey Young, Hunter, Collins, Bogdanovich, and DeLon Wright, all basically 25% owned on DraftKings. On FanDuel, it's a little bit more extreme. Trey Young aggressively owned in the 40s, in the mid-40s. Uh, we get DeAndre Hunter into the 30s. John Collins is at 30. I know who I think stands out most to me. I want to know, who is your favorite Atlanta option? Um, I mean, Trey Young playing 40 minutes at 93 or 9,400 looks really sure. good. Um, after that, I think Collins, like he played 29 minutes. He's playing center. Uh, that is extremely beneficial for him. It, it's always a big deal when he gets center minutes. Um, but the fact that he did play 29 minutes last game was was good to see because in game one, he played like 21, 22 minutes. Then they moved him into the starting lineup. Wasn't sure if it was going to be, you know, a 24-24 split or 26-22 or if you were going to get anywhere close to starter minutes from Collins. But the fact he went out there, played almost 30 minutes, I think you can probably give him a couple of extra minutes today now that it's, you know, one game further removed from his return. So um, outside of Young, I think Collins is the one that really stands out. That was my answer as well. He's the guy that pops the most for me. Uh, I think, you know, Bogdanovich, 5,500, you get shooting guard, small forward. Same for Herder, you get shooting guard, small forward. Those guys look fine to me. How do you want to handle DeLon Wright? Is he getting juiced up a little bit too much here at 27% ownership, given, given what we saw the previous game? I think so. Like that's, that's a lot of ownership. You know, obviously there's not a lot of value to go around, but this also is the slate of games where you don't have Jokic, uh, you don't have Embiid, you do have Giannis. But the thing with Wright is that for one, he's not a good point per minute guy, especially under these circumstances, because if you have Trey Young playing 40 minutes, then a maximum eight of DeLon Wright's minutes can be without Trey Young. And obviously if, DeLon, the more minutes DeLon Wright plays, still the, the better he looks. But it's not like you're talking about DeLon Wright getting 24 minutes without Trey Young out there and running the show. You're talking about DeLon Wright, the 7% usage guy that's going to just stand around, play some defense, and you know pass the ball away as soon as Trey Young gives it to him. So uh, you have to keep that in mind. But it is still a really cheap price tag. The other concern I have, in addition to the minutes he's playing alongside Trey Young, is how repeatable is what he did last game? Because Bogdan Bogdanovich picked up three fouls in the first half. He played a total of like six minutes 
in that half. Um, or I think he had three. Yeah, he had three fouls. Yeah. Yeah. I'm almost uh, positive he did. Yeah. He he definitely did because uh so Admore Funds only has him with two, but he definitely had three because I didn't have the game on. I didn't realize Bogdanovich had even been on the floor long enough to be in foul trouble. So I tweeted like, "Where is Bogdanovich?" And people were like, "Oh, three fouls in six minutes." So like, yeah, uh, Popcorn Machine has him at the three. Okay. Um. So like, if you look at the end of of the first half, Wright played the entire second quarter. Those minutes, a lot of those minutes at least, are going to Bogdanovich. Like when Daniel Gallinari subs back in. That's supposed to be DeLon Wright going to the bench. Also, DeAndre Hunter didn't play the end of the first half. So you just got, I mean, you got 30 minutes from Wright, but you only got 21 from Gallinari. Um, 28 from Bogdanovich is probably a little bit light from where he would be as well. So I still think that you're probably more often getting like 20 to 24 minutes from DeLon Wright at heavy ownership as a bad point per minute guy in a bad matchup. He's not a, he doesn't project poorly as far as a point per dollar play goes. Like, given the the alternatives on this slate but at that ownership i really have a tough time wanting to get to lawn right yeah i'm with you certainly some upside there at 3400 like he might fall into those minutes again I, I just feel like there's a lot more downside at that ownership number uh akongu seems to just be locked into this like sort of 20 minute range now if he's not going to be starting so i i could take that or leave it gallinari's price is high enough that I don't think that he's going with John Collins back. I think it's pretty hard to run Collins and Gallo four or five. I think they're just going to get abused defensively at that point in time. And we sort of saw that where Gallo played his third quarter rotation, never saw the floor again, uh, didn't play at all in the fourth quarter. You got a full fourth quarter of Bogdan Bogdanovich, a full fourth quarter of DeLon Wright, which that I obviously don't expect to continue, but or almost a full yeah, he, fourth he quarter of DeLon Wright. He, he didn't close. Yeah, yeah. At that point, it didn't really matter. You needed a little bit more uh, zip, so to speak. Wait, so who did you say you have an issue playing alongside each other? Or Atlanta, like Atlanta? Uh, Gallo and Collins. Oh, okay, yeah. In competitive minutes. Like, I don't think it matters during the game, but like when it comes to nut crunch time, I think I don't think that their defense can handle having the two of those guys at the four and the five. Right, the so we time. think the closing lineup is Young, Herder, Hunter, Bogdan, and Collins. Yes, yeah. If you told me that a Kongwu somehow was out there for like defensive reasons, that would make some sense to me. Or if they desperately needed to get back into the game, I think that, that at that point it could become Gallo. But you really need more stops in that one than scoring. And they're going right, yeah, like if, like, if to get beat real behind, bad with Gallo and Collins. If, you, if you're desperate and need to come from behind, you play Gallo over Hunter and you go with the Bogdan, Gallo, Collins, Young, Herder group. Yeah. Um, but yeah, assuming a competitive game or a game that they're leading, um, I, I agree with you. It's likely that... Um, Bogdan's closing over Gallo. Yeah. And I think that if they're slightly ahead, I think you see Okamu over Gallo um, to try to shore up at least a That's little bit defensively. Uh, all right. I don't have anything else for Atlanta. I, I mean, neither one of these two teams, like obviously Miami doesn't look all that good. I think Atlanta in general looks better from a like volume of ownership perspective. Neither one of them look has any like major standout options. Yeah. I mean, like, Trey Young would be the closest, but even when you, you're going to start comparing him to other guys on this slate, and he's still right. he like he looks really good, but it's not like he's standing out over somebody like Chris Paul or you know Chicago guys or whatever. Absolutely. So schedule for the rest of the day, MLB Strategy Show coming up after this at 11 a.m. and then we've got MLB Live before lock at 3:45. Adam will be back for the deeper dive at 5 p.m. Then we've got NBA Live before lock at six. Free content for today, NBA ownership rankings, 
MLB player rankings, NHL player rankings, and MMA pro play. So you can check out all sorts of stuff at awesomeo.com today. And then I think that you guys should learn a little bit about our promo code, which is Zoom. Very fitting for this past two years of time. Honestly, though, we were using Zoom long before COVID. We were early to the Zoom train. Uh, We've got F1 DFS now on DraftKings, and we have projections that can help you take down some contests. Click the link in the description of this video or just use the promo code Zoom at checkout. You can get your first week of F1 projections for $1. I don't think that you could really beat anything for a buck. Uh, This offer is valid through April 30th. So if you want to check it out, I think that you should go to awesomeo.com slash promos for more details. Adam, have you played any F1? No. Okay. Do you anticipate ever playing F1? Probably. I mean, if I like get around to building something for it and learning strategy for it, um, I'm kind of hesitant because of how much I absolutely hate NASCAR DFS. Yeah, that's fair. I, I assume since you're not playing it that you don't watch that Netflix show. No. Uh, never seen the Netflix show and never seen a race. Probably, I would guess the first time I ever watch F1 is, I know my friends already want to go to Vegas next year for the uh, for the race there. I would guess that's probably the first time I watched F1. Yeah, I have very little interest in it. I just, I can't care. It, it's, I mean, for me, it's not even, I can't even say I don't have interest because I don't know really anything about it. Like enough people like it that it probably is entertaining and fun. But like, I don't know. I just already have so many sports that, I watch or talk about or whatever, like the last, I, I need to add like books or exercise or something. I don't need that more sports <laughs> to my life. Uh, books. <laughs> That's fantastic. All right. We're going to game number two. And this is where we start to get into wild cards. I honestly thought that this was going to look a lot different given what's happening here. And it really doesn't. And in a weird way, neither does Phoenix, but let's talk about it. Milwaukee is the second game. Two and a half point favorites in Chicago. So if you want to know how bad Chicago is, uh, Milwaukee's on the road without Chris Middleton and still favored. So people can figure that one out now. No Chris Middleton means we need to figure out who is going to start for Chris Middleton. Pat Connaughton is the guy that came in for him. I don't necessarily know if he's going to start or not. That's usually the first place we go. And that's where I did. uh, I did put Connaughton in first. I actually thought that Grayson Allen was a more likely scenario to start than Pat Connaughton, but I don't really have a great feel. And I think that those guys are just going to play increased minutes either way. Are you assuming Connaughton for right now? It kind of feels like a toss up to me, given that Grayson Allen was the starter for a lot of the season. Um, I think it could just be a a situation where Budenholzer feels like, you know, Allen fits better with the starters. He wants Connaughton with the second group, but um, I wouldn't be surprised one way or the other. And I think they're going to project pretty similarly like i think you're getting more playing time for both of them as a result um, regardless of which one starts i think that Connaughton probably finds his way into the closing lineup a good amount just like he did last game um so i don't i I think it's either Connaughton or allen um i don't have a very good feel for for which one it would be though okay well let's start at the top uh and i think these are two of the easier decision points before we get into the Connaughton's ownership on DraftKings. Giannis is 12k on fanduel 11-2 on DraftKings. Drew Holiday is 8K on FanDuel, 8K on DraftKings. Both guys are north of 30% ownership. Giannis is north of 40, almost 50 on FanDuel. I don't have anything really that I want to add here. The Chicago Bulls defense is atrocious, and Giannis and Drew Holiday are going to be able to soak up even more usage or assists or whatever you want it to be. They're going to soak up more everything, because, in, including probably playing time with no Chris Middleton. 
Do you have any qualms going to Giannis or Drew? No, not at all. Um, eight games, if I did this right. Um, yeah, eight games since the start of last season where Middleton was out and both of Drew and Giannis were in. Uh, 1.13 DraftKings points per minute for Drew, 1.69 for Giannis. So surprisingly, like not a ton of extra production for Giannis, um, but I do think that the ceiling is at least still higher because there is really just one less offensive we- offensive threat for him to contend with. Plus, like you were saying, you can get more minutes. The game is less likely to blow out. Not that you would necessarily expect Milwaukee to blow out Chicago in Chicago anyway, but um, certainly makes it more likely to be competitive. So I think it does make Giannis look a little bit better. It certainly makes Drew look a lot better. Yeah, uh, I could not agree more. Uh, I don't have much to say here. I like Drew more than Giannis on FanDuel, uh, just by a hair. It's just because of uh, Giannis's price tag on FanDuel is a little bit higher than it is on DraftKings, so the relative gap between the two. But I'll happily get to Giannis if I could find the value. How do you feel? Like, And I think this is primed to change, but I guess we just want to go with the assumption that it is Connaughton starting. How do you feel about 35% ownership on Connaughton at 4K on DK today? It's fine. Um you know, it makes it's, sense it's, in cash. What'd you say? It'll make sense in cash. Yeah, and I mean, it'll make sense in some tournament lineups as long as you're doing something different elsewhere. Um, yeah. The one interesting spot to pay attention to is whatever the ownership difference is between Pat Connaughton and Grayson Allen, one way or the other. Like, if Grayson Allen starts and he ends up being more popular than Pat Connaughton, I like Pat Connaughton. If Pat Connaughton starts, I like Grayson Allen um, from a tournament ownership standpoint. Um yeah. Obviously, if Connaughton starts, I like him more than Allen in terms of like who I'm projecting better. But I think that like right now, I'm assuming that that we think Connaughton is starting and that's why he's getting 35% ownership. If you're going to give me a five, four four to one, five to one discount at basically the same price point, that's going to be a spot that I really like to pivot in tournaments. Like right now, we have Pat Connaughton projected for two and a half points more than Grayson Allen and getting four times the ownership. Yeah. That is not nearly a big enough gap in projection for that to make sense on a three-game slate. Completely agree. Uh, we have no, even if Connaughton starts, like it's very easy to see Grayson Allen playing comparable minutes. Grayson Allen could like come off the bench and play the same amount of minutes. Connaughton can come off the bench and those guys can play the same amount of minutes. I don't think they're going to just be like trying to extend the bench. I think they're just going to play all the guys that normally play even more than they normally do. Um, so pay attention to that ownership. Uh, ratio between Connaughton and Allen. Uh, I don't think that either one of those guys is like anybody's going to jump them. Like, I don't think Jordan Wara or Javon Carter is going to be cutting the line here. I, I hate even saying this out Wesley loud. Matthews. Yeah. I mean, like, he's going to play a ton today. He's awful from a fantasy perspective. One of the worst guys you're going to find in the NBA. I have he's him at a Chris. Yeah, I got him at a crisp 0.5 fantasy points per minute today. And honestly, if you tell me that's too high, I would fully believe it. 4,100 on FanDuel, 4,100 on DraftKings with shooting guard small forward eligibility. He is 7% owned. So in that same realm as Grayson Allen, nowhere near Pat Connaughton. I probably want to get a little bit more Wes Matthews, but no part of that feels good. I don't think I'm getting there at 4100 His price tag okay. jumped $900 since last game. 3200 was a tough enough sell just because, yeah. like, if he plays 32 minutes, you're still talking about, like, 16 points. Um, you know, if, if he plays well like he did last game, maybe you get 20. But, um, you know, at 32 3300 it was like, okay, you know, maybe you suck it up and play a little bit of Matthews. 4100 man, that's, that's tough. So I have him in... 
I have his goal score for today based on everything we have at the slate on the slate at 25 and a half fantasy points. He would need to be a, he would need a 6.2 X. Is that totally unfeasible for him? I just, how, and how many games does he get to do it? <laughs> I get, like and I gave him 30 series. He might get, I that. gave him 34 minutes. I got him at 17 fantasy points. Like it's not great. Um, I'm curious just because he's going to fall into some playing time, but yeah, like I, I get the argument for him, especially at low ownership. Yeah. It's just like, my God, that price tag is tough. It's real bad. Dude. Like, like he, so here's the difference, even though Wes Matthews. Um, so, so let's assume for the sake of this conversation that Pat Connaughton is starting. Wesley Matthews is starting. Grayson Allen's coming off the bench. Here's why I think that even with Matthews starting and in that situation, you're expecting like, I don't know, 26 minutes for Allen, 34 for Matthews. The reason that I still am more interested in the Allen pivot than the Matthews pivot is that Connaughton's a 0.77 fantasy point per minute guy this year. Allen is 0.73. Basically, I mean, obviously, like, they don't perform to that that rate every single game. But you're kind of just between those two saying, like, okay, if for one reason or another, Grayson Allen gets some of Pat Connaughton's projected minutes, Grayson Allen's probably beating Pat Connaughton on average. Wesley Matthews, it's just like he's 0.5 fantasy points per minute. You need, for him to, like, beat Connaughton, you need Connaughton to play way less minutes than we're expecting or way worse than we're expecting. But then you also need Allen in who, who probably is taking those minutes that Connaughton doesn't play to also suck. And then yeah. you need Matthews on top of that to play better than Matthews normally plays because if Matthews plays 34 minutes to his normal rates, you really only need like 23 minutes from Connaughton anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. It's there's no up. There's no real upside in the projection of West Matthews minutes. Whereas Grace and Allen could play six, eight more minutes than we are currently projecting. I don't think there's any upward mobility for Matthews. Right, right. So, yeah, you get that. It, it, when you're comparing Allen and Connaughton, you get some of that negative um, correlation as well, where yeah. in the games where Grayson Allen plays the best, he probably is cutting into Pat Connaughton a bit and vice yeah. versa, whereas Wes Matthews is not affecting anything. So you, you really just need Wes Matthews to flat out beat both of Allen and Connaughton, which good luck. Absolutely. Uh, is there anything else you want to get here from Milwaukee? Lopez and Portis to me are just like guys that exist on this slate. Um, yeah, I mean, Lopez did play 35 minutes last game. That was good to see. He's only 5,300. I do think that's a uh, decent price tag. Yeah. You know, especially if you are, like if you're going a little bit more balanced, let's say you're not getting the Giannis, but you're going to guys like Drew and, you know, I don't know, Paul or something like that. Um, it's going to allow you to get from maybe the Pat Connaughton's to the Brooke Lopez's. And, and so that makes some sense to me. Uh, he's, you know, around a 0.9 to 1 fantasy point per minute guy. Uh, this this season, he's at 0.96 DraftKings points per minute, obviously a, a limited sample. I expect that to come down a little bit, but uh, certainly could get a little bit more work offensively without Middleton. And given the playing time, I'm still pretty interested there. Okay. Anything else for Milwaukee? Um, no, I think that's it. I wanted to see what Lopez did the last couple of years. Uh, only two games for Lopez in the last couple of seasons without Middleton. Um, yeah, I mean, one fantasy point per minute, but only two games. Yeah. On the Chicago side of this one, uh, nothing to really read into from uh, eligibility perspective. Guys that are playing, like nobody's out. Uh, their rotation has become very narrow. They aren't messing around. Dasunmu has become a ghost for this team after playing like 40 minutes a game during the regular season. Uh, Kobe White, Tristan Thompson, Derek Jones, Javante Green. None of these guys are really playing. They're just jamming 
Williams, Caruso, Vooch, Levine, and DeRozan out there. And uh, that doesn't surprise me. We see DeRozan did play a lot in game one. He did. I don't think they're long for that, though. I think it depends on how the game's going. Like, what purpose does Patrick Williams serve if they're playing from behind? What purpose does Kobe White serve if they're playing from behind? He's capable. You already have DeRozan, Levine, and Vooch out there. Like, do you need a fourth option? I mean, that's better than not having a fourth option. Are you just going to get... I think you need Patrick Williams' defense. I think it's way more likely that we see Kobe White sticking it to nine than it is to get to 23 again. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, because like, no. I, I agree with you that like, I mean, he's like an 18, 19% usage guy. He's somebody that is capable of getting hot. Like if you, if your choices are Kobe White or Patrick Williams for who randomly brings the Bulls back in a deficit, I think Kobe White's the answer. But also, it's not like you want Kobe White out there running the show while Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan watch. So yeah, I, I'm with you. I guess you could just say, um, we'll try and, you know, limit the Bucks scoring a little bit while we try and come back. I've got Patrick in my baseline rates. So like no adjustments. This is just sort of like a roll, almost like a rolling average. Uh, Patrick Williams, 0.76 FanDuel points per minute. Kobe White, 0.82. They're not even all that dissimilar at this point. Yeah, no, I mean, Kobe White stinks. Well, and he's just been way different this year because they have a lot more scoring. It's not the same guy as last year where, you know, if Zach, if like Zach Levine goes down and it becomes Kobe White's offense, there's two other guys he has to go through. All righty. So DeRozan, Levine, Vooch, I don't really have much to say for all three of them. Their prices on DraftKings are generally speaking better. Levine is actually a little bit more expensive, but still looks really good. I just want to play all three of them. Uh, I think they're going to play 36 to 44 minutes, depending on who it is. DeRozan, I got in for 42. Uh, All three of those guys just look really good. Yeah, I agree. They're all just underpriced, and there are three more guys that are going to allow you, if you want to, to go go mid-ranged, forego some of that shitty value that we've talked about, and just get a little bit more balanced because you can certainly get those 50 plus fantasy point games from guys like Vooch, Levine, or DeRozan. Um, you know, they're obviously not as safe as somebody like Giannis, but you're not paying a premium and you can get basically an extra high upside guy into your lineup. So all three of them, I think look very good. And then we get Caruso who's just playing massive minutes. Now I actually think he's under owned at 21% at 5,100 on DraftKings. He's 37% owned on FanDuel right now. I had him come out of my Sims with higher numbers. I gave him 35 minutes. I think he can conceivably even play more than that today. What do you want to do with Caruso, who obviously doesn't have the same sort of offensive talent of DeRozan, Levine, and Vooch? Yeah, I mean, I think Caruso and Williams both, um, relative to their salaries, 5,100 for Caruso on DraftKings, 4,200 for Williams. They both just look like pretty neutral plays to me. Like you expect around 0.75 to 0.8 fantasy points per minute from Caruso, probably like 0.7 to 0.75 from Patrick Williams. Um, Caruso, I think likely to play 36 minutes or so. Williams, probably 28 to 30, you know, maybe a little bit more. But I think they both just sort of look like last piece in type guys where I'm not thrilled, but... I certainly don't mind getting there. Uh, right now on DraftKings, we have Caruso with a 14% chance of being optimal, 21% projected ownership. Um, looking at our projection on Caruso, we have him at 32 minutes. Like I personally think that is low. So if you uh, if you adjust for that, then you know probably the ownership makes sense because obviously that optimal percentage comes up a bit. Yeah, like I said, I got him at 35, and I think that makes a little bit more sense. I've got Patrick Williams in for 30 minutes. That also feels like something that I could probably go a little bit higher on if that's the direction they want to go, but I'm not terribly enamored with him without getting all of those minutes. I don't think it's possible to really play anything else from Chicago. I I think really it's a four-man team, and it's really four and a half. 
Yeah, I mean, you can throw, I, I would say from a fantasy standpoint, it's pretty much five. Yeah. But but like the three, it's like Levine, Vooch, and DeRozan clearly are the top. And then I think Caruso and Williams are comparable as well. Yeah. I, I give Caruso the nod just because I think he's way more likely to just play 40 minutes today than sure. Patrick Williams would be. But yeah, uh, like, it's not I, like I he's think, good from a rate perspective. I, I don't think Alex Caruso, barring injury or fouls, is ever losing minutes to Derek Jones slash Kobe White slash Javante Green. There's some yeah. chance that... Patrick Williams, you know, based on game flows or how guys are playing or whatever, could lose minutes to any of those guys. Rance, you should not be surprised that Kobe White doesn't play more. Um, being a better scorer would be true, potentially, uh, if he were any good at anything else. <laughs> He's not a very good basketball player. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, he is a better scorer than... Uh, Williams, but they don't need that when you have the Rosen and Levine and Vooch. Like any yeah. shot that White takes is worse than any of those guys shooting it. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like his his better offense is meaningless on this team, right? And yeah, he's like not if, exactly if, like if, a great offensive player to begin with, right? Like if if Levine and the Rosen are suddenly hurt, Kobe White becomes a like integral part of this team. Not saying be good or the Bulls would be good or anything, but right. like he takes on a massive role. Um, but with the guys that they have healthy, he just he's redundant and not as good as what they have. Yeah, Patrick Williams is a necessity for Chicago because they do not have anybody that can guard on the perimeter. Right. And uh, they're going to get roasted if they try to do it with somebody else. I'm not writing him off, Sean. You dope. Chicago is. They're not trying to play him. He's been in the league for three years. He's going to not get re-signed by the Chicago Bulls for any amount of money. He's been worth uh, a crisp one win in three years. So kudos to you, Kobe White, for really just knocking it out of the park. Anything else here for Chicago? I don't think so. Um, like, it's just so difficult to see how Javante Green or Ayo Desunmu get minutes at this point. Like, it's kind of, it's tempting with how cheap they are just to say, like, oh, maybe I'll get lucky with the rotation, but I don't really know where they come from. No part of that most recent statement from Sunflower is true. Kobe White is better than Caruso. There's not a single oh, wow. team in the NBA that thinks that it's not even remotely close to true. Josh Why isn't biased against scorers. He's biased against guys that shoot a lot and don't score that much. Yeah. I'm biased against bad scores just because everybody else thinks that the guy that can score but is like the 35th best scorer ends up being useless in the playoffs. Like, who's the best example here? Yeah, like D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, he's a good scorer. He gives every bit of it back defensively. And I it saw, becomes meaningless. One of the one of the Wolves uh, beat writers tweeted yesterday that um, he was pretty sure that Kyle Anderson that, that Kyle Anderson is having a more ben beneficial impact for D'Angelo Russell defensively than he is for Memphis defensively <laughs> on Cat. It's kind of true. Want to talk about prize picks? But also, my God, thinking, thinking Kobe White's better than Caruso. Like basketball doesn't. And and to be fair, like I am extremely guilty of this because I don't really care about actual basketball but like basketball doesn't come back to fantasy points per minute and caruso actually even wins there but yeah. um caruso is good kobe white is not i mean gobert versus mitchell is a very interesting exercise in what you value offense or defense i think it's a lot easier to build around gobert than the... it is against mitchell what you could have the same take about Jokic. What what's the take Clarify that one, Sean. That he's not as good as Kobe, or that he's worse than Kobe White, I'm guessing. Yeah, I, if that's it's coming I'm, from I'm Sean really Dre. where we're going here. 
I don't, I have no idea. So the, and the Mitchell Gobert thing, I, it, it really did like Gobert is getting the thing that's annoying me from yesterday. Gobert is getting like crucified because he came off the floor because like the defense was horrible and all that. The defense was horrible because nobody, namely Donovan Mitchell oh. could defend on the perimeter at all. Yes. Donovan Mitchell's. Okay. That's a terrible take. Donovan Mitchell's defense is so bad that it removes using Rudy Gobert the way that you want to because well, it's not even just Mitchell. Conley, Mitchell, Clarkson, Boyan, these guys get beat so bad off the dribble on the perimeter that they're dead in the water and it's just open three after open three after open three. The, at some point in time late in yesterday's game, the Mavs had taken more open threes than the Jazz had taken total threes in the series. Think about that for a second. That's that doesn't happen because Rudy Gobert is bad in defense at the rim. It means that they are getting to the paint and kicking to wide open shooters in the half court over and over and over again. If uh, if Cat didn't have his quote about decompressing and drinking wine, Mitchell's post game quote might have been the most egregious thing to come out of yesterday too. Did you see that? Uh, was it same shit again? Um, paraphrasing, it was that it all comes down to defense and you know and defending. And then also mentioned that they finally picked up their energy when Pascal subbed in. Connolly is not a good defender. Uh, spoiler alert. He's not young anymore. 34 and a half year old Mike Conley or whatever the shit he is now. Uh, not the same sort of on-ball defender that he was in 2014 when he got, got to guard the second best guy because Tony Allen did the real work. If you're too small and weak for Jalen Brunson and Spencer Dinwiddie, I think you're probably too small and weak for most everybody. Yeah, who the hell are you supposed like? Who's he supposed to guard then? Trey Young, Ja? Those are the only two people that I think that have like slight frames. Sorry, you can't go against Ish Smith constantly. All righty, let's yeah, the, talk. The Mavs picks. went small and Gobert can't contest the threes. Uh, sort of. That's like the really dumb generalized version, I guess. Yeah, apologies for Rudy Gobert not being able to be everywhere at once. And by the way, go look up Rudy Gobert's defense in isolation. Oh, God, Gobert can't play in this series. If anybody could defend the perimeter, Gobert would have no problem playing in this series. Yep. He would honestly be great on the boards and in the pick and roll because they don't have a big body to deal with him offensively, too. And Gobert makes everything he touches. 72% true shooting, 74% at the rim. Get him Granted, the damn he ball. can't catch, so they don't pass him the ball, but... Well, um, Mitchell just doesn't pass him the ball. What is it? Like, Everybody looks him off, though. It's not just Mitchell. No, it's Mitchell by like a mile. I mean, because Mitchell, has Mitchell the passes ball him the ball the like most. three times a game in comparison to everyone else. It's insane how little they like get him the ball. Mitchell's passes to Gobert for the season are staggeringly low for what you would expect for the two best players on the team. Right, but I, like I'm saying, I, I don't think it's just Mitchell. Like Mitchell obviously has the ball in his hands the most, but like there's clips of just like Boyan looking him off and Conley looking him oh, off. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think everybody everybody catch. does. Everybody does. I agree with that. Uh somehow it's like even more egregious for Mitchell though. I, I don't yeah, even well, know I think it also possible. gets played up with Mitchell just because it is pretty apparent that they don't like each other too much. Absolutely. All right. Uh prize picks presenting sponsor of this show. You can go to awesomeo.com slash prize picks dash promo or click the link in the description. Get yourself one free month of Awesome O Plus Platinum. You also get a bit of a deposit bonus. We've got the Prize Picks Player Prop Tool. 
at awesomeo.com. So that should help you out a bit. Adam, I'm going to hit you with a couple fantasy scores for prize picks today. All we have right now are Atlanta and Miami games. So how do you feel about 42 fantasy points to Jimmy Butler? Uh, I have met 42. Um, Same. If I had to take a side, I'd go over, but I think it's one I would probably ignore. Trey Young, 42 fantasy points. That Way one's easy. Over. Way yeah, over. I, I have him seven points clear of that yeah same i would like if you're playing on prize picks today go ahead and lock that number in because that's going to climb kyle lowry over under 30 um spot on again yep yep yeah it's another one where like i would lean over because in like 34 35 minutes i have him at 30 and if this game comes down to the wire maybe he plays more but i would probably just ignore it final two atlanta deandre hunter 20 fantasy points over. I agree. Not as extreme as Trey, but I do like the over. And then Kevin Herter, 22. Also over, but I think a little bit closer than Hunter's. Same. Trey Young, though, the clear piece there. Make sure if you're building any prize picks lineups today, go get Trey Young at 42 before it changes and click the link in the description. Do they Closing it out. I thought they stayed. No, they don't. They change throughout the day. They don't change like after you pick them, but oh, oh, okay, got it. Yeah, it's not. It's not like uh, oh, I came well, right, back right, later yeah, today. I, mean, I, I guess I knew that. But yeah, I thought that. I thought they were just like stagnant. No, that would be uh, a different uh, sponsor. <laughs> yeah, that's. I was gonna say. I assumed I was just getting ad reads mixed up. <laughs> Since you don't really do them, it's it's fine. One day, well, one ad read a day. I'm guessing GPP yeah. videos. Yeah, if you won't even call that an ad read. Fair. I would have to watch it to know. Uh, Phoenix, minus one and a half in New Orleans, 216 total. We all know what's going on here. Uh, no Devin Booker for the foreseeable future, which just sucks. I hate injuries. It's just not fun. I've been waiting for good basketball this entire time, so I hope that he can get back. And yeah, this postseason kind of sucked from an injury standpoint so far. Yeah, hopefully Luka can get back. Hopefully all these guys get back. I don't want to see teams win or lose because of injuries. So on Phoenix, I assumed taking Devin Booker off the floor was just going to create this like spillover of here comes all this usage and there's extra minutes and blah, blah, blah. And then I ran all the numbers for Phoenix and I look at the ownership for Phoenix and it's like, Oh, they don't look all that great. Cam Johnson appears to get the biggest benefit. He was the guy that came in for Booker. I'm assuming Cam Johnson is the guy that ends up starting today. He's 5,100 on FanDuel, 4,700 on DraftKings. Cam Johnson's just easy to get to. He's just not priced for the minutes he can play now. I think a cash game lock, basically. And after that, I don't see anything from Phoenix where I'm like, damn, I need to get that. So uh, the floor is yours, which any direction you want to go for Phoenix. So, I mean, Chris Paul's price did come up to 8,900, but uh, he still stands out. Like, he should play a ton. Uh, he's clearly going to be very involved. His production goes up without Devin Booker. Cameron Have Johnson you seen his price on FanDuel? No. He's 10-2. <laughs> Whoa. That's a lot. What's Troy Young? Uh, 9K. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, a little crazy. Um, yeah. Paul's played eight games this season without Booker. 1.15 DraftKings points per minute, 21% usage rate, 47% assist percentage. Um, so, I mean, I think, yeah, 10-2 is pretty expensive. Uh, 8,900 on DraftKings still looks pretty good. I think probably pretty comparable to Drew Holiday, who's $900 less. Um, I, I mean, I think it could go either way there. I think Cameron Johnson looks good at 4,700. 
Kind of curious to see what the starting lineup is. Do you think they start uh, Johnson? I think they do, yeah. If this were 2-0, I think they might not and just like swap in Shamit and call it a day. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're messing around. Like I, I think Cam Johnson is ripe to play like a shit ton today if they don't want to play more Shamit. Yeah, that, that's my guess. Like, I mean, I think they do play more Shamit, but more. Well, yeah, they, well, they don't have a choice there. Right, right. Um, meaning I think Shamit's like in the rotation. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm assuming Cam Johnson starts too, and I think he plays a lot. 4,700 looks like one of the better value options on the slate. Cameron Payne is, I think, an interesting wild card because he could hmm. get more. He, he's a good point per minute guy, and he could pick up more minutes, but I don't think they will. Um, Same. They've been pretty hesitant to do that this year. You know, play him alongside Paul. 4,500, like, if he plays 20 minutes, I mean, maybe he gets there, but it's a pretty risky option. Shamit at 3,800, if you want to just hope he shoots the lights out in, like, 22 minutes, that's fine. Um, but I think I mean, at 4% Johnson, ownership for Shamit, it's more interesting for sure. Right, right, yeah. The, the low ownership's interesting. Like, if you, if you start getting... Uh, more ownership going there than I'm not really interested. Um, Landry Shaman at 4% versus DeLon Wright at 27%. I will take my chances on Landry Shaman. Uh, not, not saying that like I'm playing no DeLon Wright or anything, but I think that gap should be much, much smaller. Uh, but I think the real, I really think the big winners here are Cameron Johnson and then Chris Paul. Depending on how this game breaks, and we sort of got a question about it here, I think Tory Craig could be interesting as a sleeper. Uh, 3,200 on DraftKings, flat minimum on FanDuel. You ready for this? Torrey Craig's position on DraftKings is power forward center. Yeah, I mean, that's what he was playing with Indiana. On FanDuel, he's shooting guard small forward. <laughs> he's got all of them, man. <laughs> it should be 3-4, but... Uh, yeah, that's... It shouldn't be center. I feel pretty comfortable staying that. The only, and I, I agree with you on Craig. The only thing, the only question I kind of have is like, who does he possibly take minutes from? Crowder? I was going to say Cam Johnson. Yeah, I guess that's possible. Like, depending on how this game breaks, if they're slightly out in front, that could just be more minutes for Tory Craig. Yeah, that's true. And we and get a lot of like one. Chris Paul, uh, we get a lot of Chris Paul eight and pick and roll game, and he just Chris Paul just picks everybody apart. I don't think it's crazy for an unknown thirty two hundred dollar guy for Craig, like not somebody you should be getting a lot of value from. But it wouldn't shock me if he was the guy that falls into more um, falls into more minutes. And he's not like the dirt worst per minute guy. He's not like the West Matthews of the world. He's like a point seven five guy, so it's a little bit more palatable. But yeah, like I don't. I don't know if it's just like a pricing thing or what. I thought some of these guys from Phoenix were just going to like fly off the page, obvious, and it doesn't really exist. How many minutes do you have for Cameron Payne? Uh, 20. Because he's averaged in the eight games he's played with Paul and without Booker, he's averaged 24. But I don't feel great about that. Yeah, I mean, you, well, you have to assume that that sort of comes down a notch just because everybody else on the floor that's good should likely be playing more. Like right. there's less so, bench minutes to go around. Right. And also, okay. So in those games we said, all right, 24 for pain, Paul averaged 32 and a half. So if you assume Paul's playing four extra minutes, those are probably coming straight from Cameron Payne. So now you're at 20. Anything else for the Suns before we close it out with the Pels? Nope. 
Highest owned guy on DraftKings for the Pelicans is $8,200 CJ McCollum. He's 26% owned. Ingram, Jones, Joval, Trey Murphy, and all and Jackson Hayes are all basically 15% owned. I don't really like much here coming out of the Pelicans. My only question is this. Maybe I'm just crazy. Does does Herb Jones look good at 4,500 now? Because to me, he does. And I don't know why he's as low owned as he is. Yeah, I thought he's looked pretty good at that price tag like the entire postseason. Um, Perfect. He's he's like, he's the kind of guy that in the playoffs you get more of as long as he can avoid fouls. Um, you know, it's the, it's the guy where like in the regular season, you're not really looking to go there because he's not a good point per minute guy. He's going to play like 32, 33 minutes. But in the postseason, that's the kind of guy that New Orleans wants on the floor more because he's so good defensively. So um, just being out there and being, you know, a 0.7 to 0.75 fantasy point per minute guy has some value at 4,500. So I'm with you. I think he looks pretty good. I think any of McCollum, Ingram, and Joval look good. Um, McCollum, number one for me on DraftKings at 8,200 now that yeah. Ingram room has surpassed him in salary the front court or the the i guess the last rotation spot um after the the jackson hayes spot basically that one's really interesting to me because like we got 20 minutes last game from hayes we got about 14 the game before he's only 3300 certainly he can get there but you also can get you know trey murphy at 3600 picking up some minutes you could potentially get larry nance at 4200 picking up some minutes like i keep waiting for larry nance to take on a bigger role just because he can do so many different things and he he hasn't yet um you know you got 20 minutes last game from murphy you got 17 from alvarado you got 21 from nance you got uh 20 from hayes if you get a similar breakdown here then any of those guys are kind of just like neutral plays and the other thing to Keep in mind is that um, Joe Val was in some foul trouble, so he only played 26 minutes. Nance essentially just backed him up, didn't play any minutes alongside him. Doesn't make me feel super confident in Nance's minutes if Joe Val is not in foul trouble, but at the same time, maybe if Joe Val's not in foul trouble, Nance just like takes five minutes from Jackson Hayes or something. I don't really know. So um, I think those guys are all risky individually, but like collectively as a group, there's minutes available there for a bunch of cheap guys. We're going to close it out with this. Just incredible gem from Chandre. You never, you can't believe it. Herb Jones is not winning you a tournament. I've never, in all the tournaments I've won, I've never had DraftKings or FanDuel come in and like pick individual players and say that like they didn't do well enough or whatever. I just, we kind of get that sort of like take a lot, not necessarily for Herb Jones, but just as like a, it's like a thing that people say. And I've never really understood it. Like, I actually, I, I Herb blame... Jones had 30 fantasy points a couple games ago. 30 fantasy points twice in April. If he scores 30 fantasy points today, you're going to be really happy you had Herm Jones. And he's going to be able to be in a three game slates winning lineup. I blame content from like two to five years ago where like we didn't have like the quality data that we do now, like the boom bus tool and stuff like that. So yeah. like everybody just talks about like, Oh, well he doesn't really have upside because like he's not a scorer or whatever. I feel like that still gets carried over and like, that's what people are referring to, but really it was just kind of the easiest, most effective way with the lack of information we had to like convey, you know, what you were trying to say like two to five years ago where, you know, somebody like Herbert Jones doesn't have the same ceiling as, I don't know, Cameron Payne, like if Cameron Payne plays the same number of minutes somehow as Herbert Jones, Cameron Payne's going yeah. to destroy him. But yeah. the minutes are still there. And now you have, you know, better tools, better information that you can look at as well. Um, right now, you know, looking at the DraftKings boom bust tool where he's 4,500, 
18.5% chance of being in the optimal lineup. So give or take one in five times, Herbert Jones is in the best lineup you can make. Yeah. No, because it's not just about his, that his one optimal player. percentage is zero. Adam, don't you understand? Right. Like, it's not just about that one player. And this is, I mean, we talk about this with ownership as well. You know, people will be like, Oh, I can't play so-and-so because he's so popular. Um, it comes down to the rest of your lineup. Like Herbert, if, if Herbert Jones scores 30 DraftKings points, do you have to have Herbert Jones to win a tournament? Probably not. Um, you can probably find some other way to, to get there, but because he's so cheap, he's letting you get to these mid range guys that can go for 50, 55, 60. So like a lot of the times when Herbert Jones is in a tournament winning lineup, it's not that he did like he, he did well, but it's not that he did anything where you're just like, Oh damn, I Herbert Jones was great. It's that he allowed you to get to the guys that did go for 60. Um, so, I mean, yeah, like, it's, it's everything works together. If he scores 30 fantasy points and you run a crunch after the slate is over with just the actuals, my guess is that Herb Jones is in like 80% of the first hundred lineups that you create. Like he's just, is he a necessity? No. Is he like a linchpin to having a good lineup? Absolutely. And that's just what happens when you have multiple, multiple position eligibility at 4,500 and you're going to play 36 minutes. Arkatelza said he would rather play a son in the 4K range over Herb. Excluding Cameron Johnson, which one? Yeah. Not JaVale. I'd rather play Herb Jones than Campaign, but like I get the upside. I mean, they have the I'd same ownership Herb right Jones now. Jones than Jay Crowder. Campaign and Herb Jones have the same ownership right now. I've Herb Jones playing 16 more minutes than Campaign. Right. And like, yeah, Payne is a much, much better point per minute guy. And you do have to keep in mind that like, we can just be wrong on the minutes projection. Sure. Phoenix can say, yeah, screw your minutes projections. We're playing him 26. And then Cameron Payne, you know, wins you a tournament. But so like, I can get the argument for Payne. Johnson, I think is better than Jones, but yeah, like I'll take him over Crowder. I'll take him over McGee. Um, I probably take him over Payne, but it's at least close. All righty. We got to get out of here. MLB strategy show coming up next. Thank you guys for being here. Hit that like button. If you haven't, let's get that number north of a hundred subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell. Good luck. Everybody keep your eyes peeled for Adam's content throughout the day. Keep your eyes peeled for the contenders videos, which are about to get recorded. Adam will be back for the deeper dive later on. Enjoy your weekend. Everybody we're out of here. Peace.